0: Our first movie tells the story of a friendship behind prison walls that spans more than 20 years. Welcome to the long delayed but finally here episode twenty-seven of Middlebrow Brown Madness, an exercise in podcast hubris. My name is Derek Gotti.
1: My name is Isabel Arf. Um, Derek, obviously. Yes. Uh, well, I guess for the audience, we've only been away for like two weeks, but for us, it's been almost half a year. Is that it's correct? Since we recorded last.
0: In the name, uh, in the words of the great American philosopher, uh, stained. It's been a while.
1: <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> We're back, baby. <laughs> um and a lot of things have happened in our lives in the intervening period. Oh, you're and telling me. Yeah, uh, I wanted to due to uh, additional life experiences. I wanted to offer um a a retraction and a mea culpa of of a sort okay. uh, on a on a previously discussed um internet of things device. <laughs>
0: oh, are we are we rev- revisiting the the IoT uh, chastity belt? No, we're
1: actually revisiting the Internet of Things toilet, because <laughs> when we did that episode, we, we mocked this toilet. We said, <laughs> why would anyone ever want this? This is the dumbest fucking thing. Um, and we made fun of the anal print and all that business. And what I learned is that smart toilets uh, have their uses, and they're actually uh, incredibly fun. <laughs> and I learned this because I had to get a camera up my dick. So, story time. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Strap in, folks. Um I've been having um I will not get into details because this is a podcast for 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 all the family to enjoy. That's right, rated um, G. But I've been having urethral problems, let's say. Okay. Problems involving my urethra to some degree. Um so I got sent to the piss doctor as one does. <laughs> And I go to the piss doctor. I'm sorry.
0: I'm laughing at your real medical condition. I'm so sorry. I was laughing at <laughs> the phrasing. Fine. I was laughing at the phrasing of piss doctor, just so we're clear. <laughs>
1: uh, it's my favorite Motley Crue song. Um, so I go to the piss doctor and, uh, the first thing they have me do is like, Hey, here's the bathroom. Do not sit on the toilet. Sit on this other toilet we got, um, that's behind you. And I look at the other toilet and it's like, it is decked out in sensors and readers. It's got like a funnel that like goes down to a bunch of different like wires and things like that. And they're like, just pee in there. And then we'll go from there. Uh, and as I'm peeing, uh, like it was a little uncomfortable to sit on it. Uh, it wasn't designed for comfort. This was designed for medical purposes, uh, for, for knowing more about urine. And as I sit, I start peeing, uh, and all of a sudden, there's a, there's a shelf next to me. And I didn't notice previously there was a printer on that shelf. And a little ticker tape starts printing out as I pee into this thing, giving a graph of my pee. <laughs> and it is one buy, of the buy, best buy. experiences. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> it's one of the best experiences I've had peeing, let's be honest, like, like uh, ever. Um, and then I got to also, like, so I peed, did all that business, and then I go into the doctor's office. They put a camera at my dick, which I don't recommend for people. Uh, Derek, have you ever had one of them? I've never had a, uh, urethral camera, no. Can't say that I yeah. have. It feels kind of like, like, if you were peeing in reverse somehow, If like Ooh, your- Ooh, I don't know about that. If your that. dick was sucking up pee. I don't um, care because, to, no, I
0: don't care to go down this
1: road with you, Isabel. Um, because, like, they also, like, squirt water out of the thing as, like, lubricant and, like, to open the, the, like, uh, okay. the canal as you're sure. going through.
0: Uh,
1: um, Yeah, it's a very strange feeling. Ugh. Um, and then uh, I got to see it on the on the TV next to me, which was a lot of fun. And then the best part is I found out that apparently, you know, um, do you know what what a ureter is? Uh, a ureter.
0: I suspect ureter. that it has something to
1: do with a urethra. On um, in a roundabout way, the okay. ureter is is essentially the I was gonna say cable. <laughs> That's not the right word for it. Cable tube, whatever the thing is that connects your kidneys to your bladder. Uh, yeah,
0: um, yeah, a, a tube I suspect is a, is is
1: acceptable. I know I'm not fucking should. doctor. <laughs> um, and I found out that on my right side I have two of them. I'm, oh, I'm, interesting! I thought, Bonus. And learning learning that, I felt like like an X Men for a moment <laughs> that I, I have this mutant power to like produce extra urine from my kidney. I don't think that's how it actually works. I think it's just like they both are somewhat functional. And they both take a path the job, but it was a fun thing to learn. And then, um, so. You know, they, they take the camera out of my dick, and they're like, hey, everything looks great. Um, sure, for people who are worried, my apparently my urethra is fine. There was some other things that got dealt with. It's all good now. But, good. Uh, circling back to the smart toilet, um, so I got to enjoy seeing it print out my, like, urine stats as I was sitting there. And I got a second period of joy, because uh, after the camera comes out of my dick, the doctor is like, hey, we got your, like little printout of your of your piss information here. And PISS
0: information.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um and uh wow, you you like pee with like a lot of intensity. Like 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 you, you peed very quickly and like it was we we could measure the like the rate and the like uh pressure behind it and you did a great job. And I felt like <laughs> <laughs> I felt I felt like, like, like a very mature version of a child being congratulated for using the potty. Wow. It was so that's that's what's been happening in my life. Uh, that's there's been more than that, but um, apparently there's still a coronavirus happening. If you can believe that,
0: It sure but, is. We're get we're uh, we're uh, right at the we're right at the uh, at the cusp of our second wave up here in Quebec, and it's getting
1: weird. We are on our third wave in Colorado.
0: Oh no! I'm gonna make a broad, perhaps controversial statement about uh, about the the virus. I miss the homies.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> um, what do you call it? And there, like, there are a lot of places opening back up in Colorado that I'm, I don't think should be opening back up, to be mm-hmm. frank. Um, yeah, schools, right? Schools are opening back up. Uh, that's actually where the third wave is coming from. Yep. Uh, there's actually a, a school, a college AIDS specific lockdown in Boulder where I work, which is kind of wild. Um, so it's like, if you're like
0: under the age of 24, stay the fuck home.
1: Uh, it's 18 to 22, you're not allowed to leave your house, basically. Damn. Yeah. Um, it's because there was, like, a massive spike in uh, at the CU Boulder campus. Uh, it still feels kind of ridiculous that, like, it was only for, like, that age group, but not for everybody, because, you know...
0: Yeah, there's, like... Isn't there, like, staff and, like, teachers and shit on campus as well?
1: Sure is, but yeah, <laughs> so... um. That's been going on there, but uh, as far as everything else, like, so yeah, school's open. Basically, every restaurant has been opened back up, uh, at least for partial seating. Um, We're more or less, quote-unquote, back to normal, which is disturbing to me, honestly, because things are not normal, (laughs) like, at all, Yeah, and and we're just pretending they are.
0: Um, We just, uh, a couple days ago, we got, um, uh, well, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Quebec got a a, a a fun a fun throwback to 911 color grade like uh scale of like coronavirus danger hell yeah uh, and we're officially in the red zone which is the worst one <laughs> which basically means yo uh like hey restaurants no more no more seating even partial until uh, until until october 28th because the government is too much uh, the government is too cowardly to go shut everything down for halloween uh, also, hey, casinos and movie theaters—you were open for some reason, but now you got to close again. <laughs> God, uh, it's 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 a real shit show. Also, but they're not closing schools, which is baffling.
1: That is really confusing. Um, I mean, you would think that movies are more important than schools. One hundred uh, percent, because apparently this is the death of the movie theater. Is what I've been hearing. I mean,
0: cinema has been pronounced dead many times. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure people were like, "No one's going to go to the movies after the Spanish flu." But uh, you know, okay. yeah, sure. I mean, uh, movies movies bounce back.
1: Well, I here's what I think is like my view on this is that I think that this might be an end to like large movie chain theaters. I, yeah. I think I think like like your your repertory theaters are going to keep doing fine because mm-hmm. they do not work off the same model at all, and um, smaller indie movies will still like like the music box in Chicago is not closing anytime soon.
0: A lot yeah, of things cin- like that. Yeah, cinema down here is probably going to be okay. But also a lot of these smaller movie theaters have kind of pivoted to streaming in the sense that okay, so we've got this we've got the rights to this movie for this amount of time. We got the exhibition rights for this movie. Let's just stream the goddamn thing. And there's a lot of places that do that and they have they're 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 so small that
1: they can actually afford to do that. Yeah. Um and but like based on the performance of something like I don't think it's the best indicator of like based on how Tenant did uh, I think there's a lot of factors involved in it being a relative failure.
0: I mean, that movie was going to make mondo bank. Let's not let's not kid ourselves.
1: Yes, it definitely made made less than it would have otherwise. Um like by a pretty significant amount. Um but people are pointing to that as like well people aren't just going to just aren't going to go to movie theaters anymore, which I think isn't really correct.
0: No, they just don't want to like fucking be a vector, which is completely understandable.
1: Um but I think it's more the the bigger change, I think, is that major studios are realizing they can make as much, if not more, money by just doing streaming releases or doing, like, releases at home. Because, like, I'm
0: sure Bill & Ted 3 made a nice chunk of change when it came out.
1: Yeah, and, like, I know the new Trolls movie also did incredibly well for itself. And then, then they don't have to pay a middleman. They don't have to pay a movie theater to host it. They can just stream it directly and basically more or less get all the money that comes in. So... I don't know. I, I don't want to like make predictions on the future of capitalist entertainment because <laughs> I, I don't feel confident in doing that. Uh, but generally, I'd say whatever the worst option is, just assume that's what's going to happen and go from there. Worst option is movies are illegal now. <laughs> no more movies for anyone. But while movies are still legal, we watched yes. a couple, didn't we?
0: We watched a few um, and uh, we will uh, – well, let's see. What's the gimmick of this podcast?
1: Uh, what oh we, shit that's a good that's a good thing
0: that's a good segue you 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 uh, you uh, you sent me up so what we do here on this show other than talking about um, uh, you know uh, dick cameras and the death of the movie theater is we watch movies specifically we watched the where we are in the process of watching the internet movie database top 250 films of all time circa August 2018 so uh, sorry Joker Get in line, God. Joker's still on that list, right?
1: Um, I think so. It's I gotta mean, be. Man, can you think of like any movie that had more hype about being like, like dangerous and potentially like, like an ev- like a morally dubious film to exist that has so quickly left the public consciousness? Um, like who's talking about Joker anymore besides making memes about it?
0: Like who's talking about Joker as like a piece of
1: art? Yeah. Or, or, or like, like where was the? Uh, it felt almost in a kind of perverse way that a lot of people were kind of upset that there were no mass shootings that took place at Joker screenings. You know what I mean? <sighs> um, Not to be morbid, but it definitely felt like there was a like egging on from a lot of cultural commentators that were acting like this film is, is dangerous. This film is like sh- maybe shouldn't be released. This is a like destructive piece of art. Remember um, then that was in the cultural conversation. Yeah, uh, like in the lead up to And then it came out and it was fine?
0: Yeah, it came out and it, uh, it it was an Oscar winner.
1: Yeah. Like and like most Oscar winning movies, it was perfectly middling. It was okay. Um I didn't see yeah. it, so I couldn't tell you.
0: But uh Todd I saw like, it in
1: the theaters. Not
0: not not to fr- not to like further digress while I'm in the middle of explaining what the podcast is, but Todd Phillips sure does try hard, don't he?
1: He's definitely a try hard. Yes, I agree with that.
0: That, that that's that's I don't really have an
1: opinion on Todd Phillips I mean the, hang, um, the, I mean, the hangover is whatever um, I think he sucks but like you know <laughs> that's about as far as I'm willing to go I, <laughs> I did you see the um they always have that round table with like the people who are nominated for best director
0: yeah well, I did see this one
1: um everyone seemed to just have an open disdain for Todd Phillips which I appreciated quite a bit who was he nominated with was it uh, was it Greta
0: Gerwig uh because this is last year, right?
1: Uh, yes, sure was twenty nineteen. Well, twenty uh, yeah, the twenty nineteen Oscars set in twenty twenty. This is all gonna get cut. <laughs> no, we need we need all of this information. We need to talk about his Starsky and Hutch adaptation. Oh, that was him. Yeah, that movie's fine. You know, what was really good. Was the Starsky and Hutch video game? <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like it actually was pretty good. It was kind of like you, you know Lucky and Wild. Nah, or uh, Lucky. Look- <laughs> Lucky well, and Wild was, I believe, an arcade game. I think they might have made a home adaptation, but it was mostly an arcade game where uh, the idea was that one player is playing a light gun game and the other player is playing a driving game. And the idea is that oh, one yeah, person yeah, is yeah, shooting yeah. out of okay. the car and the other person is driving the car. That was basically the Starsky and Hutch game. It was it was cool.
0: Okay, yeah. Um, now that you say I remember a game with that shape. Uh...
1: Also, on the Starsky and Hutch Wikipedia page, I was reminded that the frat pack was a thing.
0: Yeah, it sure was. Ninety second Academy Awards, Best Director: Bong Joon Ho, Martin Scorsese, Sam Mendes, and Quentin Tarantino. So I guess Gerwig was the year before,
1: or no? She was snubbed. Yeah, she was snubbed.
0: So yeah, so it's uh, so it's, uh, it's it's Bong Scorsese, Mendes, and Tarantino. And
1: man, what a table! Yeah, there's a couple really good directors and a couple not so so good directors. Let's say Sam Mendes, huh? That's th- I, I can't wait to talk about his terrible film, American, uh, American Beauty. Sure, yeah, that's the one. I have a, I'm actually excited to talk about American Beauty because I have a lot of opinions on it. Anyways, what's what's the premise of this podcast again? <laughs> what about IMDb? So, edit point. So what do we oh, do? We're here? not editing that show. shit. Just 60
0: <laughs> So this is what we do on the show. Uh, we are in the process of watching the Internet Movie Database's top 250 films of all time uh, list, accurate as of. August 2018 uh, and we've basically that was
1: over two years ago when you think about it yeah, that
0: kind of wild it is nuts uh, and we've put those movies in a single elimination bracket so those 250 movies plus uh, six that we've selected with a similar score to the movies hovering around the bottom just so we can have a nice clean 256 entry bracket and basically our idea is we uh, we uh, pair them off, make them fight. And eventually we will get to the greatest movie of all time, Asterisk. Uh, the Asterisk being is, you know, it's it's our take on it. And also, it's very likely that the best movie of all time is not among these 256.
1: I'd say that that's almost certain. But
0: there's a lot of good contenders. The very least. There's there's some heavy hitters in this bracket. And some that we haven't even... We're not even close Got to. to. Yeah. Um, but I think... And you know, if I'm being honest, not to like disparage these four films, I don't think any of these movies really have a shot, except for maybe.
1: I eh, think one of them might, but
0: one might, but uh, we will let you decide which one it is. So today's matchup, or today's matchups rather, M versus How to Train Your Dragon, and Memento versus
1: Spot. I do, I do want to say say real quick that uh, we mentioned that all these none of these four movies theoretically might have a shot at the greatest movie of all time title, but. These four movies and the next four movies we're going to talk about, um, I think you and I agree that this is, because usually we do, we do these, we record two episodes at a time, so we kind of have eight movies in a batch that we kind of get mm-hmm. through, and this is the best batch of eight movies I think we've ever had.
0: Yeah, I fucked up and forgot to watch one, but yeah, I agree yeah. that at least, even now, having only seen seven of them, I would agree that this is our best set of eight.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so shall we get into it? Sure, let's we'll
1: talk about the Academy Award winner, How to Train Your Dragon.
0: Uh Yeah, but first I'm going to give you a little, or going to give the audience a little tale of the tape. First off, the 79CM, uh, released in 1931, directed by Fritz Lang, written by Fritz Lang and Thea Von Harbu, starring Peter Lorre, Otto Wernick, and Gustav, mm, oh, my German, Gustav Grungens? Gr- mm, yeah, that's what, we'll go with that. I don't really have anything in terms of, like, like box office, and this wasn't exactly what you would call uh, an Oscar player, but let's just say that it has a long cultural tale. Uh, versus the one hundred and seventy eight seed How to Train Your Dragon. I'm actually on the page for the franchise. Hold on one second. There we go. How to Train Your Dragon, released in 2010, directed by Chris Sanders and Dean DeBlois, or DeBlois, written by Will Davies, Dean DeBlois, and Chris Sanders, Based on How to Train Your Dragon by Chrysita Cowell, starring Jay Baruchel, Gerard Butler, Craig Ferguson, America Ferreira, and a bunch of funny people that we'll talk about in just a minute. I got got, got some questions about the casting in this movie.
1: Okay, sure. Um,
0: $165 million budget, $594.9 million box office take. And went. Bafo B.O. as Bof- it said. Yes, Bafo B.O. Zero for two at the Academy Awards, sadly. But did very well at that year's Annie Awards, for what it's worth.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Um,
0: alright, so let's talk about M.
1: Yeah, let's uh, talk about M. This was, uh, a. I'd never seen this film before, which um, and... very much surprises me. Yes, because uh, I mean I, I like Fritz Lang quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Although I say that, despite me previously only having seen Metropolis. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, Metropolis casts such a like long shadow and is such a such a piece of art, like such an incredible piece of work that uh, it kind of <clears throat> stands by stands. What's the best way to say this? It stands. I had I had very positive opinions about Fritz Lang as a master director before seeing anything else by him. Uh, a movie it's just
0: one of those movies yeah if Fritz Lang would have been uh, a one and done if Fritz Lang would have done Metropolis and just Metropolis just the legend of that movie and the quality of it even in the state that it's in now that's like relatively incomplete his his legend is cemented but then he had but then he had to go
1: and basically invent (laughs) film yeah um, yeah, no, so I, I'd never seen M, and this was uh, better than I ever expected it to be. I, I expected it to be good. I expected it to be like very entertaining, very uh, um, like well-designed, very well-shot, very well-acted. I mean, I like Peter Lorre quite a bit. I think we talked about that previously. And Peter Lorre, one,
0: yeah, one of the great character actors of all time,
1: uh, yeah. parodied and in everything that counts. The thing that I didn't... Expect I think the thing that really kind of pushed it over for me was actually the sound design uh, and the way that he uses silence and the way that he'll let silence sit there in long shots and long takes that feel like they feel like ahead of their time in a way. They feel more like slow cinema takes where it's like we're just going to sit on this thing where nothing's happening for a while so you can take in the, the pressure cooker atmosphere so you can take in the paranoia and the fear that you're supposed to be um learning, like, like feeling and developing, and uh, there's, there's a lot of empty spaces that are given a lot of time to exist.
0: The city is empty and quiet
1: and dangerous. Yes, uh, except for one man who's uh, whistling in the Hall of the Mountain King to himself.
0: Yeah, if you wonder where fucking,
1: uh, where fucking Social Network got that from, now you know. Oh shit, I, I did not connect those things, but that is, that is a lot of fun. Um, but, and it's also incredibly, M is also incredibly enjoyable. Like, it's, it's not homework. No.
0: It's a, it's a, it's a crack thriller. Uh, very, like, like you've been saying, incredibly
1: well-directed, and pretty light on its feet for a movie about a child murderer. Yes. I mean, it does have its heavy moments, I think, especially Peter Laurie's final monologue is, is chilling it's and good stunning, piece of and, yeah, it's real, real good acting, uh, and, works incredibly well. Also is something I want to put a pin in because it is the, there's something nagging about this film that I, that I have issues with. Okay. But we'll get to that at the end. Uh, but yeah, throughout, uh, for those who don't know, the whole concept is that there is a child murderer loose in a, uh, in a Berlin. I was gonna say the, a Berlin city, AKA, (laughs) um, and essentially no one feels like safe to have their children out on the street anymore. And both the police are very much focused on looking for this killer uh, because they are being discredited by not being able to find this person. And uh, like their basically their reputation hangs in the balance. But also the criminal underworld is like, hey, with this guy out there, the police are like everywhere. We can't do anything by ourselves. Like everyone's starting to associate us, the good criminals, <laughs> with this child murderer. So we need to go do our own snooping and our own tracking down. Uh, and it's basically just the police and the criminals both working towards the same goal, but with opposite means and ends. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the entire plot, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it's not, it's not what you would call a plotty film. This is pretty, this is pretty simple
1: in terms of storytelling. I, I was very, um, spoilers for M, <laughs> for some reason uh, you... For an 80-year-old film. Yes. Um I was very thrown when halfway through the movie they basically know exactly where he is and you know he's going to get caught.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's going to get he's gonna, like they lay out their plan, they we're going to do this 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 and they do exactly that and uh I'm well I, I want to say something about like the final kind of the 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 kangaroo court, basically the mob court at the end. Mm-hmm. And I I suppose I'll say it at the same time that you can say your piece about that. So, yeah, so in terms, so this movie, this is, this, mo- in case you couldn't tell, this movie's a fucking masterpiece. It works on every conceivable level. The performances are great. It looks fucking fantastic. It's directed very well. It's this very modern use of non sound, like Isabel was saying.
1: Yeah. There's there's no music in the film except for the, I believe the beginning credits, and that's it.
0: Yeah, and uh, Peter Laurie whistling in the Hall of the Mountain King.
1: Uh, it just, it, it's, you expect so many other films to fill that silence with some kind of music or some kind of background noise like some some business, and this just lets it sit there and lets you get more and more uncomfortable with it, and makes every other sound that comes so much more i mean it's the old minimalist thing like if there's nothing happening and then something happens that is going to feel so much bigger and so much more uh, massive and
0: it's a movie of, of it's a movie, not only of, it's a movie of not only great direction but of like striking images and images that almost feel cliche now but still hold a kind of power. And this is especially early on in the movie when you've got two of like the indelible images of this film where you have A, Peter Laurie's shadow covering the, basically the, the poster that alerts, oh, $10,000 reward if you find the child murderer, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's the oldest trick in the book, but it works. You know, the, the classics are classics for a reason sometimes. And also just the shot of, uh of a of a of a balloon tangled in some power lines. And
1: also the, the ball rolling away as well.
0: And the ball rolling away. And they linger on it. It stays there for a second.
1: Uh, and I that's one of those things that I'm always so I'm really impressed by when movies do little make little decisions that are kind of brilliant. Like I don't I haven't directed a film. So so I mean I'm I'm a dunce as far as this goes. But the idea, like hey there's no reason previously for that. Like, there's no plot reason for this child to be playing with the ball as she's being abducted. But if we do that, then we can set up this incredible image where we don't have to show a dead body. Mm-hmm. But you immediately know that there's a dead body just to the right of the screen. Right. It's That's, that's direction, man. They're good sometimes. Yeah, it's great. <laughs>
0: so do you want to say your piece about the kangaroo court?
1: Sure. Um I, I guess it goes into a broader thing, and I'm not entirely sure. So, Fritz Lang called this his masterpiece and his favorite film of his. Uh, and partially he said this because of the social commentary. And I wanted to get your opinion on this because in the very literal sense, the commentary is just, hey, watch your kids to make sure they don't get abducted, which seems like very shallow social commentary. Like that is hard. It's hard to even call that social commentary in my eyes. There's another reading you can do of that, uh, which is a more allegorical reading, which is, don't let your kids ideologically maybe like fall out of sight. Like it's, it's hard to think of not think of the fact that this film was made at the end of Weimar Germany and the beginning of the third Reich. Right. Um, and like, what is the third Reich? But like a bunch of kids that went off and, you know, in whatever way you're phrasing this, like they're they were not watched children. They were like something else happened. Sure. Um, and something was not taken into account. I mean, the same as like, that That's a very oversimplistic view of the third Reich, and it ignores the fact that anti-Semitism has always been a pretty big thing in Germany and also Europe in general and also the world in general. But um that's the most interesting allegorical reading I can find of it. Uh what did you I want to hear what what you thought of that opinion of it from Fritz Lang if you had another thing that you think it was trying to say? And then I'll go into my more problematic opinion, not problematic opinion, the bigger problematic aspect of the film.
0: Well, I mean, my observation, I mean, you mean uh, on uh, re-langs take that it's his masterpiece or re-langs take that
1: it's about what it's about? Uh, Re-langs take that it is um, a form of social commentary. Like, what commentary do you see? What
0: commentary do I see? Um, I mean, I keep thinking about this movie as like... Like the thing that sticks out to me is that it's like an indictment of mob rule or mob mentality or uh, or hysteria. Uh, to 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 what to what level it succeeds, I guess, is up for debate. Given the subject matter, and uh, not not even the subject matter, it's a, it's it's weird to say this about a movie where it in the last twenty minutes it shifts your sympathies hard. Like it does this huge like. Hmm. It 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 does this kind of pivot with Peter Laurie, where you have this 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 person who's like you know who's a, a child murderer, and and basically does a hail Mary pass to humanize him, and then like I get it, but it's complicated.
1: <laughs> I, I I think that like um see see when you say that I I almost didn't even get that from the film because it is something that doesn't work for me almost at all because like yes, yes it is. I understand the, like, the reading that is indictment of mob rule, but the problem is the mob is right. <laughs> like, the mob is correct <sighs> in this situation. Right. Uh, and tr- and uh, the other option is handing this person over to the police. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a great option. If you can imagine this, Derek, I'm not a big fan of the police. Sure. <laughs> and I think that um, of the two options we're given to solve this problem, either the criminal underbelly deals with this horrible human being... An, an admitted child murderer. Um, So like you are, it's not even, there's a question of doubts. Like you are a hundred percent sure this is who it is. Right. Either you let the criminal underbelly deal with them in their way, or you let the police deal with them. Uh I'm, I lean towards the criminal underbelly, I suppose. Sure. Uh And I don't know if that's related to, to my, my bigger, not my bigger critique, but my additional, a little bit more unsettling critique in my opinion is that, Peter Laurie is of Jewish descent, for people who are not aware. And- Like me,
0: I wasn't aware, because I didn't do my homework.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, Peter Laurie is of Jewish descent, and this movie was a clip of it, uh, the clip where Peter Laurie talks about the fact that he doesn't want to kill children, he needs to kill children. Um, which is also like some of the best acting in the film. That, like his utter desperation, and the fact that there's no mal- there's no malice in that moment. He's trying to express the fact that this pains him, and he doesn't want to do it, but he has a complete like, inability to stop himself. That clip was also used in um, a little film called The Eternal Jew. See, there's no way I would have known this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh That's, that's, I, I don't think that Fritz Lang meant this film to be anti-Semitic in that way. But I think I, that... I would
0: go so far as to agree with that.
1: Um But I think that it's unavoidable to remember the, A, the cultural context that it existed in, and also the fact that, like, Blood libel was a, I mean, is unfortunately still a very popular conspiracy theory, and the idea that like Jewish people go and kidnap children and kill them is, unfortunately, a a like multi-century-long conspiracy theory. So knowing that the man in this key role is Jewish makes that much more complicated, um, and opens up that potential for it to be in Nazi propaganda films. I don't think you can judge a movie based on the fact that it's it was potentially misinterpreted for a Nazi propaganda film, but it is something that uh, weighs a little bit on my mind, which is not to say it's not a masterpiece. I do still think it is that. And while watching it, that was easy enough to not think about, to be frank, um, because it's so entertaining. It is so well shot and well acted and just kind of perfect in its own way. But it makes it not sit as easy as I'd like it to, let's say. All right. Fair. Man, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Kind of bummer, right? The um, Eternal but, Jew. What the hell is that? Oh, but don't, don't, people who, who are here, don't, don't Google it. You're likely better out with that. I mean, I, mean, it's I, I certainly,
0: I'm certainly not going to Google The Eternal Jew just in a, in a random window. Certainly not, at least not with a, uh, with a, uh, uh maybe, may, maybe an incognito, but not, not in my browser that I'm logged into. Jesus Murphy.
1: You're, you're doing better than me then because <laughs> I've definitely
0: done that. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, so enough enough of this. Um, so yeah, great movie. Um, maybe some 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 slightly sour undertones. I know you pointed them out, but uh, masterpiece though.
1: Yes, definitely. I, I would agree. Um, um, what is definitely it's almost as good as How to Train Your Dragon.
0: I was going to say what is definitely not Nazi propaganda
1: is How to Train Your Dragon. Which, I mean, the Nazis were vegetarians, uh, or at least like Hitler was. And this movie is about why you should be nice to animals. So this movie isn't is it, it technically Nazi propaganda? No. This movie supports what Hitler believes.
0: <laughs> <That's>, you know, <laughs> you know. I'll entertain most of your bits. I won't entertain this one.
1: Okay, that's you know what? I think you've made the correct decision. <laughs> what is How to Train a Dragon about, Derek?
0: So, uh, uh, okay, so I guess it's a bunch of... Vikings who sound like they're Scottish mostly uh, live in a fantasy world where there are dragons that exist, and dragons attack them. But uh, there's a, a a a a young a young sensitive sort, uh, as voiced by uh, Jay Baruchel, is like, you know, "But what if we don't? What if what if we don't kill the dragons?" And people are like, "Bah!" And um, yeah, and then there are dragons. Uh, this is a movie. What I really like about this movie. What I think is its best quality is that it lays out very cleanly a very simple list of things to hit. Here are our themes. Here are our characters. Here's the arc. Let's chart it out. And they do everything by the book, clean, stick the landing, awesome. And that is, I feel, undervalued in a movie and especially in a kid's movie. Okay.
1: Um, but I, I feel like, like there's a but coming here.
0: I, it's not really a but, I, I I think it's like a cute film. That's all it is. I uh, I like the dragon designs. Uh, I like the way this movie looks. Uh, Roger Deakins consulted on it, and that's,
1: that's wild. Hey, <laughs> listen,
0: when you want to make a movie, you you get the best people for the job, and if you can't afford their, if you can't get them to work for you, you get them to consult
1: for you. Yeah, certainly. I I, I don't think it was a bad decision. This movie is fucking gorgeous. It's really gorgeous. The flying sequences. But yeah, um, so so
0: so ultimately so, yeah. for me, this is a movie about uh, going your own way and um, uh, and rejecting assumptions about received knowledge. And you know, it's I, I I like it as like a children's entertainment device. It's not. It's definitely not to me one of the two hundred fifty best movies of all time. But it is a nice, sturdy film object that, contrary to a lot of movies pitched at people this age. Uh I wouldn't mind watching over and over again. Sure. Um I've got like minor quibbles about like the voice acting and all that noise, but suffice it to say this is a movie about the, it's a movie about a kid who is raised around dragon slayers and it's like but what if we don't do that? And everyone's like bah. But then spoiler alert, the kid's right. Um yes. <laughs> I mean, uh I mean I said my piece. I mean it's not, it's not a movie that's like overly complex or anything. It's you know, it's a Dreamworks operation. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a very, it's a it's a fine, cute uh, object. Sure, I've got, I've so, got so, nothing uh, bad uh, to say about it. It's just like, yeah, this is good, this is fine. I like, I'll watch
1: this. Here's what I'll do: I'll say my own words on this film, and then I have two questions for you. Okay. Um, at the end of that, so number one. Is I really like this movie? I thought it was absolutely adorable. Um, I love the design of Toothless, and like especially like Toothless, but all the other dragons are also wonderful.
0: Yeah, the dragon um, designs
1: are ace. Yeah, dragon designs are, are great. Uh, the flying sequences are like some of the best like popular animated sequences I've seen in a long time. Um, they're just delightful to exist in and to enjoy. Uh, the I think actually like the characterization of the main people is more complex than you usually get in this kind of thing. Um, especially, like, from... I, th- I think Hiccup and his dad get some interesting things to do, especially the fact that Hiccup... It's not like he was always different and just wanted to do something else. He was always different, but wanted to be one of the other people. Right. He wanted to be, like, a dragon killer. And that, and he was upset that he, well, he couldn't do that thing. Um, and... That's more than you usually get in this kind of film, and I think that there, most of these movies would lay on very thick that the mother is dead. This movie doesn't. It 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 has a, like a joke or two about it, and it has like it has constant background material, but it's never. It has, handed.
0: yeah, it has a um, moment, has one, yes,
1: mm-hmm. really, and one is all you need. Yeah, and I I, I think it's, it's unusually subtle for a kid movie. I don't think it's like a thematic masterpiece or anything like that. But I do think that it trusts its audience far more than a lot of other kids' movies do. It doesn't always feel the need to spell everything out for you. Uh, And, I mean, my, like, slightly biased opinion is that, like, I feel like I was predestined to like this movie quite a bit, because, like, uh, for people who aren't aware, I I have a hard time watching animals in movies sometimes, because I get so upset that they're going to get hurt. Like okay. sh- I, I did I did I tell the Peach Dragon story on this podcast?
0: I don't think so. Is there I, I think you've told me in confidence, but I don't think you've told it on the pod.
1: Sure. Um for those if I if I have I apologize for repeating myself, but uh I started watching the the new version of Peach Dragon, uh the one directed by
0: David, whatever his name was. David
1: Lowry, right? The, yeah, the, the, the Ain't the Body Saints guy, right? Is that David Lowry? Is that? I think it is.
0: Well, fucking mustache, fucking walrus mustache man.
1: Yep, David Lowry. That's how, it's what I heard him from at first. Yo, if,
0: yo, if you're having a rough day and you need to pick me up, just Google, just go on David Lowry's Wikipedia page. <laughs> His
1: picture is the best. It's it's wonderful. I I really do appreciate it. Um, <laughs> looks like, like a prospector that got robbed. Um, but so <laughs> uh, I watched. Like the first 10 to 15 minutes of the Peach Dragon he did, and I got so worried that the dragon was going to be hurt in some way that I had to turn it off and I'd never finished it. Um, How to Train a Dragon, I had similar feelings about, and I knew at some point, I, I, I mean, I knew that Hiccup would live, so I wasn't super worried. I'm uh, sorry, not Hiccup, um, that Toothless would live, so I wasn't like incredibly worried, but I was still like not, like, I didn't enjoy the part where uh, toothless got captured and got treated shitty, uh, which I'm obviously you're not supposed to enjoy, but it's probably the reason I wouldn't watch this movie. They put again. the
0: dragon in stocks, dog.
1: Yeah, it's really mean. But... <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be, obviously. But uh, I'm very sensitive to a lot of that kind of stuff. And I'm vegan, so I inherently like a movie that's about, hey, don't kill animals, be their friends. Sure. So like, uh, I feel like I'm predisposed to already enjoying that. But the two questions I have for you. So, so like I, I like this movie quite a bit. So this is a short version of that. Okay. I just said a lot of words to say not much at all. But two questions I had for you. Number one is you seem to really hate the fact that a lot of these actors did not stick to their Scottish accents.
0: Well, it's not that they didn't stick to it. To their credit, they didn't ask Jay Baruchel, who's from the same neighborhood where I live in right now, to adopt a Scottish brogue. Um, I just think that. The whiplash between uh, Craig Robinson and Gerard Butler, and like you know the the Judd Apatow Craig players, Ferguson, but Craig Ferguson. What did I say? Craig Robinson. Oh, uh, the yeah, I meant the other one, the Scottish one, not the guy from The Office. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, the the sort of disconnect between their brogue and like the the Judd Apatow players is mm-hmm. weird. It's not. It didn't take okay. me out of the movie or anything. It's just like voice acting is like there are there are technicians there are artisans
1: that can do this you know yes but we all we all know that like they don't get jobs anymore yeah I know so like we we have to learn to accept that at a certain point like Billy West made his money and I hope he's happy for the rest of his life but there's there's not a lot of Billy West coming up Billy
0: Conley wasn't fucking available
1: um I, I guess it's like one of those it didn't throw me at all I definitely noticed it for the first, like, two seconds. And then I was like, okay, that's how it's going to be. Sure, whatever. Because
0: I guess it's just Baruchel. Because Baruchel sounds so much like just dudes I hear in the neighborhood. That's like, this <laughs> yeah, dude's I, supposed I to be a Viking? No, no, I like Baruchel great. He's awesome. He's funny. I've been basically... Uh, Jay Baruchel has been coming up since he since we were both, like, children. Because he was on Canadian TV as a kid with, like, Alicia Cuthbert, right? So, so no, I, I love me some Jay Baruchel and, you know, I, I, I love, I love a guy that shouts up Montreal, but if you had to ask me, who would you cast in the role of a Viking child who is decidedly not about killing dragons? Like Baruchel a great comedy bench guy. He's not anywhere near the top 10 for that particular role to me. This is a major nitpick. This is. this I It sure is. Yeah. I, I, I
1: just saw it in your review on Letterboxd. I really. Will, I was so entertained by the fact that that seemed to actually throw you quite a bit. I I needed to bring it up.
0: It's fucking. It's fucking two thirds of the leads from Superbad, Kristen Wiig, <laughs> TJ Miller, and America
1: Ferreira. What? Okay, whatever. I'm not a casting I, director. What the fuck do I know? That's, like, like, to be. To give some credit to that casting, it is very, like. I, I think, here's my opinion, I think it is it is pretty cool that this major motion picture cast a non-white actress as the white lead in the anime movie. So often you see the literal exact reverse. Yeah, I, yeah America Ferrera rules. Yeah, she's great. Uh, she's also in the Tinkerbell movie, which is a great movie and everyone should watch. I... To be fair, I think the Tinkerbell movie is better than How to Train Your Dragon. That's my recommendation for everybody. Watch the first Tinkerbell movie, and apparently, the second one has a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes. So on how many reviews? Uh, we don't need to get into that, Derek. That's not, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about right now. <laughs>
0: I mean, the fact yeah. the fact that that is not top ten weirdest movies you stump for says a
1: lot. <laughs> it's it's a good movie. Right. Um, so you have two uh, things. Regardless, regardless. Like... yes. My, my second um question is. Why do you think of all the children's animated movies, why is this one on the list? Is it just because of Toothless? I mean having Cause it might um, just be because of Toothless. Having a cute
0: lead animal companion character definitely helps. Um but I mean, you can't I think I think it might be in part because a lot of people may have watched it with like younger siblings or parents watch it with kids. And you're like, you know what? This movie is like a cut above the other shit that we watch. I, I suspect that that might have something to do with it. I mean, why is this one of the top 250 movies ever made? Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's classier than Shrek, I guess. I mean,
1: I, I, I was going to say, I think that's, that that's, I think it benefits greatly from low expectations. Because A, you don't expect like most kids' movies to be good in general. Um and then B, I think that for a while Dreamworks, especially during the like the B movie over the head shark tail period. Oh they the, were in the weather for a while. Yes, they did not get much respect. And then this was kind of them being like, Oh, we can also make good movies. And we're not going to do that too often. But occasionally we can actually make a good movie here and there. Um, like the Captain Arrow Pants movie. which was fucking yeah, great. That movie's pretty good. And uh, I gotta give it up to them that they uh, distributed uh, a couple of Aardman animation films. Yeah, the Nick Park House. Yep. Uh, Walter and A Curse of the Were-Rabbit. To be fair, I think Curse of the Were-Rabbit should be on this list instead of How to Train Your Dragon. I think that's a significantly better film. I think fucking Chicken um, Run would be better on this list than this. Chicken Run's um, great. Like, uh, let's be honest. Like, um, uh, Nick Park is not... Like made a bad movie.
0: No, and he's also not for want of like like uh, critical acclaim. The dude's got like yes. a sack of Oscars, probably.
1: Yes, I, I I think he like won one year against himself as well.
0: Oh uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the uh, that's what we call the reverse Roger Deakins. The Roger Deakins obviously is when you lose against yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, so
1: great great stuff. Yeah, it's uh, a per- it's
0: a perfectly good it's a perfectly. Good movie. It's just not a fucking stone cold masterpiece like M is.
1: Sure. Um, so I think it's pretty unanimous. M is moving forward. uh versus How to Train Dragon. Yeah. Though if if you have little kids and you have not had them watch How to Train Dragon yet, throw it on. I think I, a, I think they'd enjoy it. Oh yeah, and by B, all means. I think you would not be miserable.
0: No, if like if somehow, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one for the little ones, and uh, not a bad one if you're into like, if you're like if you're into like sort of you know, modern 3D blockbuster animation. This is close to the top of the heap, I think. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Hey
1: everyone, it's Isabel. I'm just letting you know that uh due to the way we had to record these episodes, we had to do it in two different chunks. So uh, there's going to be a difference in audio quality between the two and probably some of the levels, and it might seem a little bit of a weird transition, so I wanted to put this in here so you know what's going on. Also, sorry my audio levels in the first half of this, uh, and the audio quality was shit. I was recording on the wrong microphone. Um, but yeah, I will get you back to the program. Thanks.
0: All right, so now that that is out of the way, let's move on to the second one of these. Uh, let me just get my <clears throat> my trusty paper. What's that? Well, it's not so much a paper as it is my laptop.
1: The paper of the modern man.
0: Of the future. <laughs> uh, Challenge our next matchup: uh, the fifty seed, the fifty. I forgot what the what the uh, ordinal for fifty was for a second. The fiftieth best film of all time. Memento released in two thousand one, uh directed by Christopher Nolan, screenplay by Christopher Nolan based on Memento Mori by Jonathan Nolan, uh starring Guy Pierce, Carrie Ann Moss, and Joey Pants himself Joe Pantoliano. Uh <laughs> this is um this is uh low budget Chris Nolan territory, nine million dollars to make, thirty nine point nine million dollar take at the box office, and I could tell you firsthand a gigantic home video hit. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. It is 100% like one of those movies that everyone who gets into film ends up loving for at least a little bit.
0: Yeah, this is, this is like on the, um, if we're tearing out uh, Hot Couch Guy movies, this is like an S tier type of those.
1: Hmm, I'm actually not sure this is exactly Hot Couch material. I think it's more like, um, it, it's undergrad material. It's film undergrad uh-huh. material.
0: I, I think, think there's, there's some overlap, overlap
1: there, but I think like I think of the Hot Couch Guy as scuzzier than, than this film.
0: I mean, this is pretty scuzzy. I mean, for a Chris Nolan movie, right?
1: Sure. Um, it just l- like like Lucky Number Slevin is a Hot Couch Guy movie. Sure. I, Memento. I
0: okay. How about this? It's Chris Nolan's Hot Couch Guy movie.
1: Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, that'd be The Dark Knight. But either way.
0: Oh, of course. How could I forget The Dark Knight? Anyway. <laughs> regardless. Uh, regardless. Versus. The 207 seed, Spotlight, released in 2015, directed by Tom McCarthy, written by Tom McCarthy and Josh Singer, starring every awesome actor, uh, notably Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Leif Schreiber, John Slattery, Brian Darcy James, and Stanley Tucci. How's that for your starters and your first couple of people on your bench? <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, $20 million budget. million, like a legitimate, like, box office success, like a a smash. I forgot to mention that Memento was nominated for two Academy Awards, losing both, Uh, whereas uh, Spotlight just uh, brought them in. It's Uh, It's kind of
1: wild that, like, Spotlight was a box office smash. It's probably like, like, of all the films that are focused on sexual abuse in the Catholic Church, this one's probably the biggest box office hit.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that I think that fa- I think the fact that it's so successful is that it tampered its uh child abuse with or uh how to say it's um its treatment of like child abuse with a uh, a solid dose of uh, journalism. Sure, uh, people love I journalism.
1: They pay so much money for it.
0: <laughs> I think it's the sugar that makes the that that makes the bitter pill go down easier. That's how you say that
1: idiom, right? Yes. I, I'm anyway,
0: sure. All that to say that uh, Spotlight went two for six of the Academy Awards, winning Best Original Screenplay for Tom McCarthy and John Singer, and Best Goddamn Picture. This is our fourth Best Picture winner, I believe?
1: Uh, I literally have no idea about that. I haven't even thought about it forever.
0: Because, uh, anyway, well, someone I was going to say someone in comments, but someone will correct us if we're wrong. It's a law of the internet. Uh, they'll correct you. I didn't say shit. That's true. They'll correct me, and please do. <laughs> it's not like you can just fucking go on Wikipedia and look it up, you know? It's like, which I'm going to do immediately after I do this. I'll double check. But uh, we're not here to talk about uh, my uh, successes and failures as a, uh, as a fact checker. We're here to talk about uh, Memento. So, I'm really happy this movie holds up.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. I I I agree. I was not expecting to like it as much as I did, let's say. And it really... I. I Obviously, like, the gimmick is a good gimmick. Um, for those who don't it's know. It's a great gimmick. For those who don't know, the basic idea of the film is that it is about a guy who um, has amnesia. Um, anterograde amnesia. Amnesia, I believe, is the correct term for it. Where after a certain point in his life, he can no longer form new long-term memories. And his short-term memory um, is, like, 15 minutes approximately. Somewhere around there. And then he forgets. Um, and it's about him trying to catch his wife's um, killer. The right. The The shtick that everyone remembers um, is that it is told out of order and not just slightly out of order. It is told entirely out of order, but in a very specific way, where essentially you start at one point in the movie and then one series of scenes move backwards. Another series of scenes moves forwards and then at the end, they meet right in the middle.
0: They converge. That's right. Yeah. They meet right in the middle.
1: Yeah. And the main way you differentiate them... Well, A, they're alternating scenes, so it's not super hard. But also, one is in color, one is in black and white. The one that's moving forward is in black and white. The one that's in color is moving backwards. I, is that Can right?
0: I, that is correct. Can I say one thing?
1: Yes. Christopher Nolan. He's a man that we've talked about
0: before. And he's a man that we are going to talk about in the future.
1: At least twice more, right? For, with Dark
0: Knight and Interstellar? That's right. Chris Nolan, as you have so eloquently put it, might, may be our greatest Millbrow film artist. Mm-hmm. because um the movies play uh, i'm going to nick a term uh from uh the great podcast show uh great podcast show the great podcast blank check all of his movies play for play well for the smartest person in the room and the dumbest person in the room
1: i like that i, I like that way of putting things yeah uh griffin newman said that about robocop oh per- the perfect movie to say that about yes which is the perfect
0: movie to say that about. Which is why, uh, which is why you know that show is good and ours is less good than blank check. So, but the thing that kind of grinds me about Christopher Nolan is people keep insisting that his movies are fucking super complex and mega complicated. We might have talked about this during uh, our uh, during uh, when we talked about Inception. Yes, but it bears repeating. The man gives you all the fucking clues. He's like the fucking snowman.
1: Yes. He doesn't even like, especially in Memento, like the scenes that are moving backwards in time, he has overlap between all of them. So that way you understand exactly what's happening. Like you, it forces it on you. Like it, if you haven't seen it before, maybe it takes a couple scenes to get it, but you can tell pretty quickly that, oh, we're ending it where the last scene began. So this one must be moving in a certain pattern backwards.
0: The first scene in the movie is played in reverse. (laughs) The footage playing over the credits plays in reverse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the uh, fucking Memento, which is a movie that we are going to praise. Well, I'm going to praise it anyway. I can't speak for Isabel necessarily. Um, It's less, its narrative structure is less complex than Pulp Fiction.
1: Yes, I would agree with that because it is so regular and so. Once you get the gimmick, there's nothing else to get, at least for the for the editing structure. I think there's a lot more in terms of the story, in terms of character development, things like that. But um, the the editing gimmick is pretty clear pretty early on, and it doesn't mm-hmm. change. It is standard. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it is totally fine to do that. I'm not saying you have to have the world's most innovative time editing structure. But whereas something right. like Pulp Fiction kind of jumps around and you have to fit pieces together by context clues... It is not at all the same thing with Memento. Like once you get the the shtick, you're there.
0: You are in, and it's such a million dollar. It's a billion dollar, a billion dollar idea. Yeah. What if we told? It's it's piss easy. What if we told a mystery story in reverse? And it's I, it's one of those things that seems so obvious in retrospect. It's like like obviously people have played with time before, but it's a whodunit it's it's a whodunit told in reverse and you still don't know whodunit till the end.
1: Yes, it is a whodunit where like at the beginning of the story, all the answers are there. And as you go through the story, like which is essentially reversing the film, you lose the answers, which is just a very, it's a genius, it's a genius idea. Um, and I think it's executed on incredibly, incredibly well. I, I There's this fun thing that a lot of people, especially in film Twitter and in like film theory circles like to do is just shit on Christopher Nolan um, and will not give him any credit. And like, fine. It's so easy. If that's your thing. It's so
0: easy, though, because he's such a giant Dorcas. and he of loves course. movies so much, and, and he loves the magic of movies. And and, and, and if it's if so easy If you want to, to take a bad
1: faith it. reading, I think it is very easy to take a bad faith reading. But the fact is that like this movie is incredibly well structured. If you don't like the structure, fine. But as far as it goes, I can't think of a much better way to execute on this concept than exists
0: yeah it's a it's a bravura piece of screenwriting and I you know as much as I like stuff like the Dark Knight and inception and interstellar I really miss when Chris Nolan was young and hungry like like following is like eh but it's this and insomnia is like I miss those movies
1: i i like I like insomnia quite a bit I've never seen following I've heard good things I feel like I'd probably have a middling opinion on it like most people see it's to a good have. calling card movie um and I know it always gets associated with Pi because it's like Aronofsky's like black and white first feature. Pi, I believe is far more memorable and like, okay, that is a new thing that is really something. whereas following, yeah. it, I haven't heard that kind of talk about, but um pi is
0: a lot more heady,
1: yeah, um, and insomnia i I like, but i'm I am biased against it because I like the original quite a bit, sure. Um, I think change. that uh, Stellan Skarsgård is just incredible in it. Um, he's a... Oh, that's right. That's one of his, huh? Yeah. Um, great, great actor, if if you can believe that.
0: <laughs> Turns out, those Skarsgårds, huh?
1: Yeah. Uh, they're they're all hot and, attra- and attractive and good actors. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, so, least, okay, like, so... Um, have you seen True Detective? Not True Detective, True Blood? No, I have not. You should watch True Blood. It is... Um, if you ever want to see incredibly attractive people say very dumb things, um, I, I'm reminded of it because Alexander Skarsgård is in that. And he was like a Norse um, vampire. And I'm a lesbian. Uh, but sure. even with that, like it is, he really does something for I think anybody <laughs> wa- anybody watching that television show. Uh, so that's my recommendation is everyone watch True Blood, the super weird kind of racist Um parable about vampirism and homosexuality it's it's a thing
0: i was gonna say i already watch hot people say dumb shit all the time i watch pro wrestling
1: <laughs> what were we talking about right, oh so yeah uh insomnia Anyways, Memento. a memento yeah well you were we were i don't know were you done were you done with insomnia oh yeah it's it's, it's they're good movies i don't i don't really have an opinion <laughs> like like beyond that so, okay, so Memento, okay, so Chris Nolan is
0: young and hungry, and there's this great sort of, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to throw around the word innovative, but it's a kind of a bravura piece of, it's a stunt screenplay, it's, and it's very well executed. You've got three leads who all commit very strongly to this sort of kind of grimy genre performance. Mm-hmm. You've got Guy Pearce, who is pretty good actor. Like, I can't, like, I can't think of, like, I mean, I guess there's, like, L.A. Confidential. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh... Previously talked about on the
1: podcast. Yeah, he's good. He's he's a very dependable actor. I mean, like, he's great in Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. That's the other one I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, Um, Ravenous, uh, which is an underrated film.
0: Oh, that's right. He's in Ravenous. Yeah.
1: Um, That's a pretty good movie, too. Um, So, you got uh, Carrie Ann
0: Moss who, come back to us, Carrie Ann Moss, I don't know what you're doing now, but... And uh, Joe
1: Pantoliano. And who would reunite again in The Matrix. Or un- well, they will. They would have already been in The Matrix Correct. Together. Yes, that is how time works.
0: Um, <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I just watched fucking Memento and... <laughs>
1: God. I don't know how shit works anymore. Um, Carrie Ann Moss is still working. Uh, she was in The Bye-Bye Man. <laughs> she was in I don't know. Um, Frankenstein. What's The Bye-Bye bye Man? She, the, oh, it's... You don't know the Bye Bye Man. It is yeah. a horror film uh, based on a book called The President's Vampire. <sighs> oh, okay. Boy, howdy. Um, it's real, it it's real bad. It's real bad. Oh, okay. I see. Right. Like, one of the worst things. Unfortunately, like, I feel bad for Doug Jones because he is such a wonderful actor. Oh, is that? Uh, he he oh, is the oh, titular Bye Bye Man. Oh, yeah, the Bye homie Bye Doug Man. Jones. Yeah.
0: Um, Abe, uh, a- uh, God, from Hellboy.
1: Uh, Abe Sapien. Abe Sapien, the hottest uh, fish uh, there ever been.
0: Well, more than his character in The Shape of Water.
1: I haven't seen The Shape of Water yet. That's a pretty good movie. But I mean, Abe Sapien's pretty hot, and like I I think Abe Sapien can talk better than, from what I understand. About. Isn't Abe Sapien voiced by uh,
0: fucking uh, Niles Crane?
1: Uh, yeah, it was Niles 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 Crane. Is that right? Yes. Not not Niles Fraser because that's Fraser Crane. Okay, (laughs) Fraser Crane. That's right. We're there. Wonderful. All right, we're hip. Um,
0: and yeah, so you got Carrie Ann Moss still working. Fucking just put Carrie Ann Moss in everything. She's so good. She's wonderful. Yeah. She's, she has this great kind of, um, I don't know. Like she has like a quality Her her character, like Trinity and the matrix has the same kind of, um, kind of like, um, like a strong world wary quality to them, but they command authority.
1: I'm going to throw in just a random recommendation for a movie, uh, which sure? is, Karen Moss is also in Silent Hill Revelation, which is actually a pretty fucking great movie. Uh, highly I didn't recommend even know they it. made a sequel? Yeah, yeah, it's a if you ever wanted to see like a if a Tool music video was <laughs> like a full-length film uh with real people instead of claymation, it's it's that exactly. It is real grimy, real fun. It it turns Pyramid Head into like a hero, which is fascinating. Um and the the ending of it is a really good bummer ending. Number
0: one Tool fan is Belarf.
1: I fucking love Tool. Like, I, I would do a Tool podcast, uh, a Tool and Primus podcast, like terrible bands of terrible, terrible bands that are also great uh, from the 90s.
0: I mean, I could probably join you on the Primus pod because I, too, like Primus. Yeah. But uh, I don't really have a take on Tool.
1: I feel that like Tool and Primus are two roads diverging into wood where it's like, hey, you're going to be an incredibly talented alternative metal band uh, or alternative rock band in some sort of way or another. You can either take yourself deadly (laughs) seriously, as Uh Tool does, or you can never take anything seriously ever, like Primus does. Like Primus does. Um, And there's a reason that Primus is more fun to listen to most days. But (laughs) uh, I think that Tool is positively... I think Tool is camp, is my genuine opinion. (laughs) Toolist camp, Toolist camp. I think they know what they're doing. Dark camp got a lot like
0: Primus is another band with like these wild music videos that are just as weird as Tool videos, but a lot lighter on their feet. Yeah, they play like they play rubber cowboys in one.
1: Uh, do you ever think about Kelsey Grammer's like early life? I no, because I don't know what it is. Was oh, he like an oh, bah. did he play? Did he play bass in a Bay Area metal Um, We're going to have a, a reading segment right in the middle of this. So, Oh, shit. <laughs> Error tangent. You know him best as Dr. Fraser Crane, a psychiatrist originally from Crane. the television series. Cheers. Dr. Crane was our current yes. character. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Not important. He's Fraser. You got it. Um, Kelsey Grammer's parents were divorced when he was two years old, and his father, Frank Grammer, opened a coffee shop uh, and a bar and grill called Greer's Place. His mother brought Kelsey and Karen back to their parents' house in New Jersey, where they were raised by their mother and grandmother. Unfortunately, his grandfather died when Kelsey was 11. Keep that in mind. On April 25th, 1968, a man named Arthur B. Niles set fire to Frank Grammer's car outside the St. Thomas home he shared with his second wife, Elizabeth, and their four children. When Frank Grammer went outside, Niles shot him twice. During the trial, Elizabeth Grammer testified that she had pulled her husband's body from in front of Niles' car because he had threatened to run... Uh, over him as well, Kelsey Grammer was only thirteen when this happened. Keep this in mind, uh, like keep keep those two things in mind so far. Niles okay. was found the not gra- guilty. The
0: grandpa and the grandpa dying at the age of eleven, mm-hmm. and
1: uh, father being father murdered being shot at age by thirteen
0: a, by a man named Niles yes. at the age of thirteen.
1: Seven years later, when Kelsey was twenty years old, his younger sister, eighteen-year-old Karen Grammer, um, was raped by four men and murdered by Freddie Lee Glenn. Uh, so keep. <sighs>
0: Um, okay. All right. So is is the, is the I don't want to blow your punchline, but is is the punchline
1: to the story Kelsey Grammer is cursed? I believe so because, like, how does it all? And then and then okay, even I don't want to say no. I was going to say even better. No, it's even worse. In 1980, uh-huh. I'm I'm skipping the, the article now, and we're not reading from that anymore because it gets even more depressing. But in 1980, two of his half brothers died in a scuba diving accident.
0: <sighs> like, what? So if you're related to Kelsey Grammer.
1: Chances are you're watch dead. out <laughs> oh God, wow like, man that's that sucks ass, yeah, I mean, he sucks to be fair, he's like a hardcore republican like Trump guy, he sucks hardcore, don't like him, but thats like that stuff all happened after these terrible things happened to him, and after he became Frazier crane, so right um we 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 will always love him for the things that <laughs> that he did well. I don't know quite what I'm trying to say, but but that I I, I needed to tell you the story about Kelsey Grammer's life, his Cursed early family, life. yes, and just the fact like God. if you are Kelsey Grammer, you're playing Fraser Crane, you're in Fraser, wouldn't you push to get your brother's name not be Niles? <laughs> like I'm pretty sure you have the pull to do that. You are the main character.
0: Yeah, you're already you were already Fraser Crane on Cheers. Yes, I'm pretty sure the you show should be allowed to be like, you. "Hey,
1: can we not name my brother after the last name of the guy who killed my dad?" That's all I'm asking. I'm not trying to be a diva; just trying to like ask that one thing.
0: Can we call him Miles?
1: <laughs> um, it's like one miles letter Prower. over. It's still. He it can Can't... be a fox with nine tails.
0: <laughs> I thought I thought fo- I thought I thought uh, tails only had two tails.
1: Uh, uh, you're probably right, but he's based off a, uh, uh, mm. (sighs) um, shit, you know, the thing, fuck, uh, I'm fucking uh, every part of this up. Yes. He has two tails, but his name is definitely miles per hour because that's the joke. Right. And miles per hour. I was thinking of like a nine tailed Fox, which would make more sense to be fair. So
0: you confuse tails with the pokemon ninetales.
1: No, I confused it with the like mythical fox being from Chinese mythology. You dickhead. Okay, cool. I
0: mean, listen, I know I know you like pokemon, but I didn't know where you <laughs> stood on
1: ancient Chinese mythology. i us be fair the ninetales is a is a wonderful pokemon, especially um the one that uh, was in Alola.
0: Yeah, uh, ninetales good pokemon.
1: Yeah. Uh um, where, memento. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, because and Joe Pantoliano. Yes. Who's fucking amazing in this movie. He is the MVP. He is the, you know, for a movie that's about a guy acting as a a guy Pierce in this movie plays basically an avenging angel that cannot create memories, which is like a hell of a short story character. But I feel like the soul and conscience of this movie is Joey
1: Pence. Yes. And I think that's one of the coolest things about his performance is where someone like like I like Karen Moss's performance quite a bit, but just something about her from the first moment you see, you're like, mm, there's something more going on here. There's a little bit I don't feel like I trust her, basically. Sure. Whereas Joey Pants, I also don't trust him when I first see him, but his he's like a tabula rasa in terms of how you perceive him as the film goes on, where each scene completely changes how that's going to be. Uh, and I never had, uh, at least the first time I watched it, and even re-watching it now, you never get a clear read on him until you know the entire story, which is kind of the perfect thing for the actual structure of the movie. Because like, if you were Guy Pierce, that's how you would be experiencing Joey Pants. Is like, holy shit, I don't know what this guy is trying to do. I don't know where he's coming from, but he's being fucking weird. And yeah, kind his of like, His
0: only crime is being a fucking weirdo. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, and uh, so we talked a bunch about like the, the gimmick working pretty well. What mm-hmm. I do want to say, uh, the thing that I didn't expect to hold up so well is that the emotional core of this movie still hits pretty hard because it's yeah,
0: devastating.
1: Yeah, it, it it is painful <laughs> so to watch sad. happen, and I think I've mentioned on the on the podcast before that uh, one of the hardest things for me to watch, and I think one of the hardest things for most people to uh, watch or experience, is when someone or something doesn't understand why the bad thing is happening to them. And you can't right. actually explain it. Cause even if you knew this entire story and you explained it to Leonard like Teddy does, he's going to forget right. it in two seconds. So it doesn't actually matter how much you explain it to him.
0: Yeah. This is the grave of the fireflies problem.
1: Yes. Um, and um, yeah, it, it really hits still. It really hits very, very well.
0: Yeah. Just the sort of like, it's, it's fucking devastating. And it's like the realization that Guy Pierce's character – spoiler alert for this movie, by the way. The realization that Guy Pierce's character has created – has basically compartmentalized his, the circumstances of his wife's death to the point where he's created this story with this, with this other person who may or may not exist. It's a bummer. It's really good storytelling, and it sucks completely.
1: <laughs> um, we've talked for 25 minutes about Memento. We should probably move to the next one. Uh, because I'm so well, pretty sure Memento's moving on. That's that's my prediction. Um, I Maybe I'll, maybe I I'll be convinced th- otherwise, but we will see when we talk about Spotlight.
0: I think you're right. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. But let's talk about a very worthy opponent. Let's talk about Spotlight.
1: Yeah. The kind of movie that no one really makes anymore.
0: Uh, yeah, uh,
1: like... I think I
0: I put this in my letterbox review. It is that it is steadfastly unsexy. Yes, it is so. It so does not believe its own hype. This is kind of like the film equivalent of this is a this is the movie equivalent of someone patting you on the shoulder and saying "good job," like a just like not even a firm handshake, just like you did good, and that's it. There's it's so unadorned it's so beige but it's beige on purpose it's not beige because it's well it is beige because it's dull but the unvarnishedness is the point
1: yeah and i think the thing that really i liked about this film is that it's it's an oscar-bait film in a very loose sense but Um, whereas most Oscar bait films make a point of their importance and make a point of like, here's the acting showcase for this person. It was exactly one of those. And even then it is, makes complete sense in the context. And it's the only time that happens.
0: You know, what's weird about this? I misremembered it. I thought it happened later. We're talking about Mark Ruffalo, by the way, who is making a, let's not get it twisted. He is making a meal out of this fucking performance. Oh, definitely. He is. He is going ham on this. Uh, you had this like Oscar Oscar explosion, and I thought it happened later on uh, on the balcony with Rachel McAdams. But turns out that's just kind of a heartfelt conversation.
1: Yeah, and there, I think a general way to make this movie in a more palatable sense, uh, or or a more superficially palatable sense, would be putting that gloss on it that um, that sense of hey. This is a very big story. These are very great actors. It's it's like the the post. That's what the post did, which is a bad film that no one should watch. Um, Probably I'll watch it one day. Okay, it's one of Steven Spielberg's worst in my worst in my opinions. It also most reveals like his conservative liberalism, but that's a completely different (laughs) podcast. Um, And I'm sure we'll talk about that later because there is plenty of Steven Spielberg to go around in this list. Um, Sure is. But the thing that I loved about this movie is that. The thing you expect is that there's going to be... uh, Like, they keep mentioning Mark Ruffalo's wife. And you never never see see her, her. right? Yeah. So you you don't have that, like, that blow-up conversation where she's like, you're always at work. And he's like, this is important, which is what you would expect. Or them separating and coming apart. Or basically nothing outside of the core story about this investigation really exists from the point of view of the movie, which is great. (laughs) Like, that's actually a welcome relief. Like, I don't need um, to know what Rachel McAdams is doing on the weekends.
0: Yeah. Rachel McAdams gets her partner gets a couple lines and her Nana gets a couple lines. So this movie is about the Boston Globe breaking. This is in 2000, 2001, uh, uh, breaking a huge story about uh child uh, sex abuse in the Catholic church in Boston. And, there are so many ways this movie could have gone wrong. There are so there is so ma- the, the field is littered with minds that this movie could have stepped on. But to this movie's credit, it does not really at any point and feel free to disagree. With you, disagree with me if you uh if you disagree. Uh it doesn't feel exploitative. I I would agree. It there's like it's it's heart-wrenching obviously, but the fact that this movie is so determined to play this so close to the chest is kind of its saving grace.
1: Yeah. Uh, where it's like you get, you get conversations with a couple survivors. It's not like a ton. It's enough that you can understand the severity of what's happening, but it's not so much that you feel like you are just being subjected to a torrent of misery. Like the point of it is not, Hey, Hey, Let's listen to the awful stories of a bunch of sexual abuse survivors. It is, hey, here's the stakes, here's why this is important for them to continue working on, and here's why they have to do what they have to do. Which is great. And and like that's the that's the whole point of Mark Ruffalo's blow-up is like, hey, it could have been us if we were in different circumstances. Like this is why it's important is because it's going to continue happening and it's bigger than everyone anyone seems to know about. But it also doesn't lean into the luridness that uh, i mean especially that something like uh prisoners does obviously (laughs) Um, the
0: most lurid film of all time prisoners
1: but even then there's like uh i'm struggling to come up with a really good comparison if you give me two seconds i probably can but i think that there's a lot of other films that deal with um sexual abuse child sexual abuse that that lean into it in a way that's kind of gross do you know what i mean uh yeah. Um. Not, not, not in a way that is obviously praising it up. Like, it should be obvious. But in the kind of sure. way that, like, when we talked about Prisoners, I mentioned um, Peter Sotis' opinion on, uh, what's it called? Uh, to Catch a Predator. Yeah, And a lot of the other films, especially major released films that involve these subjects, have the To Catch a Predator feel. Where it's like, hey, you want to hear details. So we're going to tell you the details of this. Whereas this film doesn't feel the need to lay those on as thick as it does. Or as thick as as thick as those do.
0: Sure, I'm trying to think of an example too, and I feel like it should be easier than it is. um But yeah, it's the the fact that it keeps like a, a, an even keel, uh, as far as tone is concerned, is kind of a saving grace. The fact that I think having the victims seem like actual fucking people help. Yeah, they see like they're on, like the two main victims that the, or the three main victims they talk to are just, like three distinct characters. They maybe share 15, 20 minutes of screen together, like between the, th- between the three of them. They are fully fleshed out characters. You understand their motivations. You understand their back... You understand... This movie is really good at like sketching out a full biography for the people who aren't the journalists. We don't know shit about the journalists yes. other than the fact that they're journalists. Even though this movie ostensibly is about the journalists. But the movie's not about the journalists. It's about the story
1: yeah it's about the investigation you
0: you are doing like you like as a journalist you work in service of the story
1: i mean obviously the closest parallel is all the president's men of course that's the cop um which this is not as good as i would agree this is not as good as that and that being said i think that's a very high bar (laughs) to compare anything to um and i think this is a
0: good try this is a great try yeah
1: and i think that a couple of things that i really like that it's it does a i think that stanitucci is wonderful in this Um, Tucci is fantastic in this. Um, I think that the... What's the best way to say this? The way it shows, um, like, September 11th is fascinating Mm. because it's like, oh, shit. We were just about to, like, go forward with this. Now no one's going to care because history started back up again. (laughs) And the, the, like, the biggest news story until (laughs) COVID basically just just happened. Yeah, basically, right? Yeah. Um, And... Then they finally published obviously in two thousand and two, but the other thing I really liked about it is that when it ends um you get a little a couple little uh, what's the best word like uh, title cards or inter- intertitles mm. I don't know what the correct term would be that say, hey, here's what happened afterwards, and um and a list of like a hundred and fifty cities yeah. where they uncovered similar scandals and then also the fact that the cardinal um that they had been that they were worried about running up against um, in the city of Boston. He gets uh, – he, he resigns and then gets sent to Rome to be in like one of the highest positions in the Roman Catholic Church.
0: He gets promoted basically. Yeah.
1: And it is – I think you said it best um, – uh, or I, I apologize if I'm paraphrasing you incorrectly. But you said this is a movie about how the work is never done.
0: The work is never done. The uh, this movie ends with them at their desk censoring phones, taking notes. It's great. To, uh, just to circle back really quickly on Tucci because what Tucci does in this movie is super fucking sly. Because you're introduced to his lawyer character, and you think, ah, oh, what an asswipe. This guy's going to be a, a this guy's going to be a thorn in these guys' side the whole movie long. And there's a a pivot point where you're like, oh shit, no. There's there's something to this guy, where it's like, he's in his office, and he's got some kids who have been abused, and he's talking to Mark Ruffalo, and he's being very certain. It's like, Mark Ruffalo, I've got to do a thing, blah, blah, blah. And then he opens the door, and he goes, hello, to the kids. And he puts on the face, and it's like, fucking Tucci, man, you're so good at this.
1: Yeah, it, it's it characterizes a character that wouldn't have that kind of depth in a lot of other films.
0: And Tucci's so good at just delivering oodles of just bullshit when they're when he's in the diner with uh, with ruffalo when he's on the bench with ruffalo he's so good at just expositing and it's like when your top seven actors are like uniformly just (laughs) awesome yeah that helps your movie it turns out imagine that keaton's really good in this leaf schreiber's great in this leaf schreiber doesn't raise his voice below a conversational like, he basically mumbles his way through the movie. And when, when he's giving, like, the rousing speech to the spotlight team, it's like, find the story. M- make it so da 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 That's the most intense he gets during the movie. That's the loudest he gets during the movie. It's impressive. Yeah, This is a movie... This movie is so quiet. It's not that it's not intense, but it's kind of a quiet movie.
1: It's a movie that, that will let shots sit for a while and will let... um is very interested in process and will be like, hey, here's exactly how filing for this one court proceeding works. And here's how they were able to get this evidence. And here's who they called and what books they went through and which libraries they had to go to. Which is, as someone who once said that the problem with the movie Moneyballs didn't have enough math in it, I really appreciate (laughs) it.
0: (laughs) A lot of churches in Boston. Yeah.
1: Also, real quick, I thought of two good examples of the thing we were talking about earlier by going through previous Academy Award nominees for Best Picture.
0: No shit. Okay. Um, one is
1: on uh, Mystic River,
0: a movie I have not seen.
1: Very lurid. Um, and one is Precious, which is maybe Another the most movie I have not seen. Like over the top, version of the thing I'm talking about. Uh, God, I have I have a lot of opinions about Precious. Um, the short version is that. It's you bad. you give me a taste? The short version is it's bad. Um, which is a shame because it's a very good. Um. Crew or, or cast, I should say. The crew is not great because directed by Lee Daniels.
0: Lee Daniels, yeah. Uh, so that's uh, Gabori Sadibi, Mariah Carey. Uh, Monique is in that movie. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, Monique was uh, was uh, was uh, nominated for this. Um,
1: uh, so it was yes. uh, Gabori Sadibi, uh, and she won. She won. That's right. Yeah. And wait, did um, Monique
0: win or did Sadibi
1: win? Uh, Sadibi. Okay. And the. Essentially what that movie is, is, Man, uh, <laughs> have you seen, uh, oh God, what's it called? The Paperboy? No, the, another
0: Lee, uh, Lee Daniels
1: joint. Yes. Everyone should watch The Paperboy. It's ridiculous and definitely the best Lee Daniels movie because he leans into the fact that he knows how to make pulp pretty well, actually, because he has no shame. Lee Daniels has absolutely no shame. And the problem is that he turns Precious into an exploitation film or like a pulp film and... Let's just say that's not something that should be done with the material involved. Sure. Like I said, great cast. Um, and I, th- I haven't read the original novel. I've heard it's better. Um, as everyone knows, it's based on the novel *Push* by Sapphire.
0: <laughs> *Push* by Sapphire, yeah.
1: <laughs> I've heard it's much better, uh, but I didn't quite care for pressure. It feels very much like hyperbolic in a way that doesn't quite work for me. But okay. it does remind me of an experience I had in college. Um, community ah, community college when I went there. Which is, I had I took a women in the arts class, which I loved by the sure. way. It's actually the first place I read Sappho, and um, she was a
0: woman. She was involved in the arts. Makes sense.
1: Yes, <laughs> uh, and um, for like like the like the last couple uh, weeks of the class, you we went to like more modern art, and one of those was, excuse me, discussing movies in which um, women were a main part of the story, and um, women's struggles were a main part of the story. For example, for example, like my group did aliens. Um, Okay. Whereas uh, one group was assigned precious, and you're supposed to give a group presentation at the end of it. I suppose that you lucked out in that one. (laughs) I did, yes. Um, And I also kind of feel bad to that for that teacher because, or I I feel guilty because there was definitely a a moment where we were supposed to, like, we were supposed to write one paper by going to a local. Art artist event that was either like the art was made by a woman or like the film was directed by a woman or there was a band with like uh, female members something like that and write a paper on it um i forgot i was supposed to do that until the day before it was due and i made something up <laughs> that never happened and i reviewed oh, that no. <laughs> i got an a on it but i feel real oh, bad boy. oh no because she was a super nice teacher she was great but she will never hear this. She'll never hear this. If she does, hey, if <laughs> if I, if you were my teacher in my community college room in the arts class, I've started doing that thing where you hold up your hands when you say pause and make them look like pause. I think it's adorable. And so do the rest of my staff. But, um... Wait, hold on. Time out. Wait. So, like, if you're, like, talking
0: to a crowd, you hold up your, like, your your hands, like, up to form the bars of a pause sign to get their attention?
1: No. Um, you hold them up and you curl your fingers in, so it looks like you have like little like puppy paws, and you say pause. Oh,
0: I was thinking pause like the two bars on a VCR.
1: No, that'd be that'd be cool too, but no. See, this is the difference between you and me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, uh, the so the point of this whole story and this whole diversion was that uh the group that was supposed to do Precious uh for their group like presentation. God, I feel so much secondhand embarrassment just saying this. Um, (laughs) You know Garfunkel and Oates? Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah, a a, a comedy music group.
1: Yes. Um, Well, they did a song that was like about Precious. Okay. Uh, I I, I have no opinion on that song. It's been literally since this class almost 10 years ago that I've even heard it.
0: But the last time I thought about Garfunkel and Oats the last time I thought about Garfunkel and Notes is when I saw Ricky Lindholm in, in uh Knives Out.
1: <laughs> um their most recent hold on their most recent post on uh YouTube. Oh, it was a year ago. They're uh they're still making it. And they're getting hella views. <laughs> th- the, they got one million views on a uh two year ago video. So hey.
0: That's not nothing.
1: Good for Garfunkel Notes. Shout out sh- yeah, shout out to Ricky Lindholm and Kate Micucci. <laughs> <laughs> um but so, they did some some like um, funny, hilarious song about precious, and this group just played that music video and just stood in front of it. And then when it was done, they were like, "Okay, we're done." And that was the oh whole my thing. God. It was. Oh my god! What and, balls! What courage! And like, even the teacher was like, "Uh, okay, cool. I guess sit down then." It was, you get, you get a D minus. <laughs> I mean, you showed up. So, Hey, you did better than a lot of other people would, but it was, it was great. It was almost as good as the time that I uh, saw a, a performance of a bunch of noise musicians. And the last one, or no, the second to last one, I think I might've told this story in like the, the chat, <clears throat> but he was playing like a bunch of like weird guitar shit, which was cool for the first little bit. And then he just stopped doing that and put on like a karaoke CD of Rage Against the Machine and was playing guitar along to it? Like that was the second half of his performance. So my second set is going to be
0: a homage to Tom Morello.
1: Except <laughs> Except it was um with no vocals but it still had all the guitar parts on it. So he was just playing over Tom Morello's guitar parts and you could hear both of them at the same time. <laughs> it was one of the strangest and most awkward things I've ever seen. Luckily, there was That's only so like three weird. people in the room because it was a noise show, but still. Oh, man. Anyways, <sighs> Spotlight. Um, I feel like we're done. <laughs> we, have else to we, have, Spotlight.
0: we have digressed so much. This is almost <laughs> as long as a regular episode. Fuck. In the back half of this episode. <laughs> Um, I, 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 I don't know, man. Um, Spotlight, good, memento, slightly better.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I'd say. Like, like Spotlight's, it's, it's very good. Um, I wouldn't mind watching it again. Um, it's a, I I think if we're talking about, we're talking middle brow, this is like the kind of, I wish the Oscars had more of these guys, but sort
0: of like mid-level thrillers and sort of process movies.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Spotlight was what I was talking about. Like Spotlight is very much like a, Hey, this is a film that can actually win Oscars, but it's not bad, which is unlike most films that come with Oscars. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, wh- wh- what you was know, nominated now last year? No- nominated last year was Parasite, which I haven't Parasite. seen. I hear it's great. Masterpiece. Um, There's Ford v. Ferrari, which I have no opinions on.
0: <laughs> I think I haven't seen Ford v. Ferrari, but that seems like classic.
1: Hey, dad, want to go to the movies? It's probably fine.
0: It's, it's probably OK. You know, you get. Uh, yeah, probably not as good as uh, Rush.
1: Uh, probably not. Um, there's the Irishman, which is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, then Jojo Rabbit, which is one of the worst worst movies I've ever seen in a the theater. It's terrible! It's awful. Um, it was also it was one of the sadder experiences I've ever had in a the theater because like, oh my god, Taika Waititi got all the money from doing uh the this best was blank Marvel check. movie. Yeah, he did. He made the best Marvel movie with uh, Ragnarok, and then he made Jojo Rabbit. That was his. This is what I want to do movie. And that is...
0: You can't, you can't control your passions and sometimes it's, it's you've just so got to dress up depressing. as
1: Hitler. Um, and then there was Joker, which as I, I think I said earlier in this podcast is entirely middling and forgettable.
0: Still have not seen it. Um, one no- day, maybe. <laughs> if I feel like... If, I, if one day I ever go, hmm, I, have, I feel like watching uh, The King of Comedy, but not as good.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. Um, I have no opinions on Marriage Story or Little Women. I bet they're both good.
0: I bet they're both good.
1: Um, Nineteen Seventeen, which was bad. Uh,
0: I Sam Mendes is going to have to try hard, uh, try harder to win me back.
1: Yeah, um, and then, I think
0: because I, I like two Sam Mendes movies:
1: um, Road to Perdition. No, and I have not Skyfall. seen Road to Perdition.
0: Skyfall is one of them.
1: Inspector. The other one,
0: the other one is Away We Go. Oh, interesting.
1: Oh, 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 yeah. I've I've heard things about that that are pretty good.
0: I think it's a very sweet movie.
1: I remember seeing, so, and not to digress one more time. It's, we've already gone so much. Why not do one more? Yeah. Well, let's just keep going. Yeah. Um, let's open another bracket. Let's go. So Rotten Tomatoes. Do you remember when, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of parts of the story. Remember when Al Gore had his own TV network called Current?
0: I remember Current. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it no longer exists as far as I'm aware, but for a brief period of time, they had a Rotten Tomatoes show. No shit. Yeah. Uh, that I I've been watched. saying no
0: shit a lot this show. Yeah. Um, this
1: it was really, I'm pretty sure the main point where it was actually being produced was around like 2009, 2010, I want to say. Okay. Because I feel like I used to watch it a bunch on Hulu when I wasn't watching It's Always Sunny in my freshman year of college. And uh, it was actually pretty good. It was pretty entertaining. Uh, they had, the the two things I remember though, like uh, I remember most of my head, uh, is that one time they had Sasha Gray give a of her five favorite films which is great. Um, she has great taste. Do you remember any of the Imagine that. on that list? Um, sorry?
0: Do you remember any of the movies on that list?
1: Um, uh, there was uh, two Herzog films, um, Heart of Glass, and I. Bl- uh, the one I can never pronounce properly, Wojcik? Wojcik? Uh, Wojcik. Wojcik, yeah. Uh, those were on there. Uh, Fat Girl by, uh, is that a Denis? No, that's a bro, yeah. Thank you. I um, remember those two. I'm pretty sure there was a Godard on there as well and i don't remember what the last one was i could probably look oh, it seems up. like
0: kind of a try hard list there sasha gray i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean i mean i can't I, I can't fuck with that i mean that's that's i mean it's it's herzog and Godard and and, and Capriat.
1: i mean I, what am i gonna say no i mean <laughs> um but um also people should read her like novels are actually pretty good also she should be in more movies like in terms of like as a non-pornographic actress. Don't get me wrong, she was a great pornographic actress. Um, me and uh, Juan will definitely be talking about her actually next episode of the podcast we're recording. But um, I think she's, <laughs> she's a really good, like just straight-ahead, non-adult movie actress, and I really wish she used think better. I've ever, I don't think I've ever seen any of her work. Um, she was in The Girlfriend Experience by Steven Soderbergh, which is great. Which I didn't see. It's real good. Um, she was also in... Uh, she's briefly in I Melt With You, Which is a movie a lot of people hate, but both me and Juan like quite a bit. It's very much a a middle-aged man angst film.
0: You did a 30 Below on
1: that, right? Yeah, we did. Um, That's a real good movie. She's great in it. Uh, She was in a horror movie called Smash Cut, which is not that great, but I think she's real fun in it. I ain't even heard of this. Um, She was also, uh, she was a girlfriend in Entourage, I believe. (laughs) But she wasn't in the Entourage movie, and I've never seen anything involving Entourage, and I never will, so I have no opinions about that and neither have i that's all i can remember sasha gray being in in terms of mainstream movies i think i have oh gosh i think i have a couple more that are on my shelf that i don't remember right now though cuz like um there was a store uh, near where i used to work in illinois geez like 5 years ago where they had a bunch of like really cheap used horror dvds like for a dollar or two and i would just go there after work and just see what they had and buy anything that that looked entertaining enough um, and whenever I saw like a name that I recognized, like, oh, Sasha Gray, I'll pull that one out. And I, uh, bought all those. So I have a couple more on my shelf sitting there that I haven't watched yet, but. Uh, Sid Haig is in this one. I'll buy it. In Smash Cut? No, no, no. I was just like. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Name. Yes. Um, but yes. So that was, that's one of the things I remember from the Rotten Tomatoes show. The other thing is that <laughs> the, o- there was, there was a host of it. Um, like a second host or I wouldn't say so second host. so far down the
0: stack is about.
1: <laughs> There's, there were two hosts of it. One was a girl that I don't remember shit about. Um, but the other was a guy um, who looked, I'm not joking, exactly like John Krasinski. <laughs> like, like, not even a little bit different. He looked exactly like him. Um, I'm looking up his name so I can send you a link. To be fair, the, the gym from The Office look was de rigueur in the late 2000s. Of course. Um, but like,.
0: like
1: <laughs> this, um. Here we go. I- I'm sending you his IMDb link because you will look at his IMDb picture and be like, Jesus Christ.
0: Are we sure that's not John Krasinski? Okay, let's see. Uh,
1: I am going...
0: Uh, Brett Ehrlich is the gentleman's name. And I'm opening up the page.
1: Like just that first uh, picture on IMDb.
0: Well, it's too small for me to actually like... Oh, it's too small in the preview link. My computer is slow as hell, y'all.
1: <laughs> Holy shit. Right? He looks like a sad John Krasinski. Everyone should look him up. He is, and also he did a um, a, a show for that same like for the same current thing, uh, called, oh jeez. what was it? Uh, I'm on the
0: Wikipedia. Uh, is it viral video film school?
1: Yes, that's it. And Infomania. Yes, he was like it was. Those were both like um, like Tosh. Point zero. If that wasn't terrible, like he's actually funny. Right. I uh, bring Brett Ehrlich back. Where has he been at? He uh, was on No Filter last, with Anna Kasparian.
0: Uh, he was a writer on this show. Uh, yes. uh, he was also a writer on Happy Half Hour. That's his most recent credit here. Yeah. Um, should we wrap this podcast up? Yo, this, this back half of the ridiculous. show has lasted nearly an hour.
1: <laughs> That's six zero minutes. Ugh, this was supposed to be a short recording. I have stuff to do today. But instead, yeah, I gotta make dinner, dog. Okay, <laughs> let's. Uh, so we already said um, Spotlight loses, uh, Memento wins. Yeah,
0: Memento moves on. So that means we are setting up. Um, fuck, what was the first one that we did?
1: Uh, Derek, you can't do this. This was like last week. I'm sorry. Challenge. Ch- I, uh, oh, I got
0: it right here. I got it right here. Never mind. Okay, thank you. Uh, so we. Oh fuck it. Uh, Power train your Dragon so versus M. Yes. So it's going to be M versus Memento. When we get to round two, yes, it will be an interesting matchup.
1: Um, obviously we are skipping the <laughs> uh the reading of the fan fiction for the second straight week. I apologize, everybody, but like we'll get for back real, it th- like it's not happening today. We will like get this, back to it. This, it's written, but still,
0: this show, this episode has already gone on way
1: too long. This is gonna be like oh, an hour and forty five minute long episode.
0: It, it's going to be like I recommend you do some judicious cutting.
1: Uh, we'll see. We'll see what I feel like. Oh boy because um, the problem have, is I, guess... I have to edit the whole fucking thing no matter what so it doesn't matter that's to true. me it really just matters <laughs> to our listeners
0: yeah I mean remember back when we made episodes that were like 50 minutes long
1: we used to make episodes that were like 40 minutes long it was great
0: that's true we kept uh, ourselves to time now...
1: limits on movies we had like a 10 minute clock that was going
0: oh uh, we should probably bring that in no again. no it
1: made the podcast <laughs> way worse like we it like those early episodes were worse for that clock but still
0: alright well we'll uh, hopefully this, blocks, this doesn't te-
1: yeah hopefully we want
0: this won't test the hopefully we don't test the patience of our audience all three of them
1: yeah
0: all three of them so okay so plugs uh, if you want to keep up with the goings on in the middle brow madness universe uh, you can contact us well if you want to keep, uh, keep tabs on the goings on follow us on twitter the show's twitter is at middle brow pod uh, I think I still have access to that account <laughs> Um, uh, if you, you don't I fo- do. You can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Derek underscore G. Isabel is at Space Jam Fan. Uh you can follow us on Letterboxd uh at those same handles. Yours truly at Derek underscore G. Isabel at Space Jam Fan. Uh if you want to send us fan mail or hate mail or you know, just you know, get in touch. Uh if you're my you old email college us-
1: woman in the arts teacher
0: That's right. Um, You can contact us at middlebrowmadness at gmail.com. Statue of limitations are up. You can't take away that A I got in that class. (laughs) Sure can't. Uh,
1: I mean, I'm not a lawyer or anything, but um. (laughs) – Also, uh, don't forget we are still soliciting. Even if she did, it wouldn't matter because it was a fucking associate's degree, and I've never finished my bachelor's degree. And no one gives Uh-oh. a shit if you have an associate's degree. That's my secret well. for all the kids out there. If you here, here's my actual secret. When I used to put that, <laughs> I you can't, no, you can't make on, a tangent. Hold in on, the hold on, hold on. When I actually, th- this is important advice. We are helping oh, our cool. audience out in this one. All right. Um. When Oof. if you were getting an associate's degree to make your resume look better. Um, when I used to put my associate's degree on my resume, I would not get phone calls back. When I stopped doing that and just said I was a high school graduate, I got more phone calls back for jobs. That's a literal true thing. So don't bother... Unless you're doing it for another reason. If you're just doing it to learn, because you want to be a a great learning person, if you're doing it to go to technical college, if you're transferring those credits over to a four-year degree at some point, go for it. I'm just saying, if you were originally in a four-year college in Wyoming, and then you (laughs) drop out, and you move back in with your parents in Wisconsin, and you decide to go to community college in Lake County, Illinois, in that case, do not do that. Terrible, terrible decision. (laughs) Anyways, until next time. Wait, I'm not done. What We're the not fuck not else there to say? I
0: we are still soliciting vegetarian and vegan recipes, sure. information about the t- information about the picts, Bollywood recommendations, so on and so forth. Jesus Christ! Next time, we are going to be doing these two following matchups. We are going to be doing uh, we are go- Oh Jesus, heavy hitters, baby. Uh, we are going to be doing Yojimbo versus The Seventh Seal, and Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King versus Before Sunset.
1: Um, I have so many things to say about all those. I'm actually really excited. These
0: are a good set of movies. And I do legitimately think that's it. Do you have any more tangents in you to get out?
1: I don't. I'm sweating profusely from my doors and windows being closed. (laughs) So I would like to end this. All right. So end it. Uh, Until next time, I've been Isabel Arf. And I've been Derek Gagne. Have movies, be jolly. Have movies, be jolly. Good night, everyone. We're sorry. (laughs) Sweet release
0: (laughs) I gotta go to a weed store.